Hey, John. Another another uh, live produced show. We we have to say something before the music stops, <laughs> or it's abnormal. Yeah, we're not used to doing that though. And this sound is so weird to me. I don't have bass. What's that's your headphones? I, it must be. I, I swear it's like an old town radio. What if I mess with this again? No, it's fine. I can deal with it. It's fine. Oh, that did something. Is that it? Yeah. Hang on. Let's... Oh, now hearing buzz. Now it's back. Normal sounding? Yeah. All right. We need to replace that thing. Probably. You keep saying that. Well, tell me what to look for and I'll buy that one. I don't know. I mean, they still sell that one. So I don't want that one. I want something cooler looking. That looks old. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We, we got to, we got to, we got to represent. <laughs> All right. Well, what's on the docket for today, John? Uh, I just got a lot of new stuff. I wish I had a lot more developer stuff, but I'm kind of in the throes of refactoring and dealing with all that kind of mess. Uh, I've actually been looking at tools for um, for kind of doing some code analysis. I know what's wrong with it, but I kind of want numbers to understand what's wrong with it so that I can kind of track my progress as I go. Not that it matters, but I just I have this need to want to understand all the different things that are going on in my code base. Um, but the, the problem is the tools are mainly geared for teams. And so it's hard to justify the cost of those tools without a team. I tried some of the free stuff like PMD and PMD did a bunch of false positives when it came to my namespace. I mean, it, it flagged invalid assignments because it didn't have the explicit namespace defined on my object, which I'm, you don't, shouldn't have to do. So, and it was a memory hog. So I, I installed the PMD plugin or the CLI or whatever it is. And then I connected it up with, uh, IntelliJ, and I let it run as part of the inspection tools there. But the inspection tools that Eliminate Cloud provides were good enough, and PMD was just a bunch of noise. So that was my trial and tribulation for yeah, this week. That's interesting. I'm still doing just tons of um, tons of Java Spring backend oh, stuff, up. automation, integration. Get to use all nice, fun tools and well, it's kind of language features, and it's kind of frustrating because I. Um, I was I I, wanna, I need to get that PD one certification, oh. and I was um, I, mean, I thought about just like well, maybe I should just take this exam, but I thought well let me let me actually do the trailheads for these just because I need to do those too. Wait till we mm -hmm. talk about this. Um, but I got about I would say three quarters of the way through that trail mix, which is actually huge by the way. It's a lot of time to do these. Um, and are you hearing that or is it just me? I think it's, it's just popping. you. Okay. Anyway, um, I got about three quarters of the way through and then i just lost focus i mean in terms of like i'm doing other stuff now i have, mm -hmm. I have other stuff to do and so I, I didn't get back to it but i need to uh and the nice part about that also i mean it forces me to get into areas of salesforce that i just haven't spent a lot of time with like you know i never really got into lightning and so i'd like to i mean it's a good chance to start doing more salesforce front end stuff you know because i kind of have the luxury of if it's a Salesforce front-end thing or LWC or whatever it is that I can just have someone else do it. <laughs> um, but I really should start doing that more of that myself just, just to make sure I'm well-rounded and I know these things. Yeah, I'm not feeling very well-rounded these days. I feel, I feel fairly inadequate, especially because for the longest time I, I focused on the development tools and I kind of let my admin kind of side of my, my brain kind of atrophy, I guess is a better word. Yep. Um, because I'm having to do some some maintenance and some ad administration of our company instance, 
And they're just things I forgot how to do or things I'm like, wait a minute, you should be able to do that. I just forgot how, or where is that at? Or, or Salesforce moved the cheese and now that feature is either deprecated or it's somewhere else or it's, you know, got moved or shuffled or it's only in classic and it's just, it's a lot of hunting and pecking. Yep. I, I came to the conclusion though, in doing that, that we complain a lot about as developers, how Salesforce hasn't given us enough attention and, and all the declarative tools get all the attention. But now I'm starting to think that's not true either. I mean, if you look at the state of the admin tools, it's pretty crusty right now. I mean, yeah, Flow and Process Builder is getting quite a bit of attention and it's finally getting some nice to have productivity features. But admin tools in general, just with that kind of iframing in of the classic layout oh, and yeah. the way links sometimes work and sometimes don't or the slowness of it all, it's, it's really crusty and it's not fun to use. And it's not conducive for you for use i mean it's and even the permissions god we need a we need a better cohesive view of who has access to what and why because it's tough trying to find out why someone does or does not have permission to something i feel like someone has created this already on the isv or just someone but, but yet basically what you need is a giant cross matrix thing yeah yeah and we just don't have that right now i guess i don't know yeah i mean it's it's, it's, it's I, I feel it's something that the the tools should provide <laughs> Because uh, I, I don't know that everything's exposed in the metadata in a way that they can handle that. I mean, it, I don't know. It just it doesn't. It seems like something Salesforce has to provide. I mean, I'm sure there's things that vendors could do by analyzing a bunch of stuff, taking it and parsing it. But it, there's only so much in the metadata itself that they can key off of. Right. Yeah, I was just thinking of some kind of like you know re report type thing you could run that would just show you a massive cross tab of permissions and who has them. It'd be interesting just to go to a record and go, who has access and why? Well, I still try to, anytime I'm or who doesn't have access and why. Or I even just run like a scenario and say, okay, this person, this record, what do the permissions look like and why? Yeah. Do you still use the old permissions interface or the, the sorry, the, the profile interface? Uh, no, I, I try to use the, the modern one, but uh, sometimes I'm asked to look at an org that has the, the classic one and I try not to change it because it's an all or none, right? I think it is. Yeah. Um, so I try not to to mess with it if it's someone else's org. So that that prof the classic profile or the it's not even it's not a, I don't think it's a classic versus lightning thing, but that original profile screen had everything all you know the entire profile was on the screen, mm -hmm. and and this is almost like a microcosm of lightning because back then you could command F you know you could do a find yeah. and you could search for whatever it was on the profile you're looking for. Yeah, and just like on any object screen in Salesforce, you know you're on a record you can. Command F and you can search. Well, nowadays it's like, you know, everything, there's so much lazy loading. Yeah. And it's just like, or stuff's on other quasi tabs. I don't even know what they're called. Yeah, I don't know what it's called either. Cause I mean, yeah, you're right. I can, I can try to find it and I'll type it and it'll say no results, but I have to wait a bit and let whatever background process that is injecting it into the DOM finishes or indexes it so that it can finally start searching it. I don't, yeah. so I don't know if it's an iframe thing or just the way the page is injected into itself or it doesn't seem like an iframe, but it, acts like it almost yeah I'm, I'm just i'm still i'm still feeling like you know i guess you know lightning had to be done and it's probably overall better but there's just because salesforce is it's got so there's so many applications so many people working on it and they're trying to please so many people it's it's really already lost it's uh, some of its conceptual integrity and mm. it's it's already becoming kind of bloated and, and and in a lot of ways they did increase performance but i'm seeing just things that Still... Winter 20, I, don't, I have a lot of performance issues with the Winter 20. Like, I know they got more aggressive with the caching, which is an issue, but it didn't improve performance because now I feel like everything's a lot slower. 
It's just weird. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, because you have to take you have to take it one little specific thing at a time because some things have gotten better and are getting better, but some at the same time are getting worse. And I feel like by the time they actually have finished implementing Lightning, it's going to be so bloated and there's going to be so many things that have just kind of fallen out via some kind of performance regression. I don't know. It's just I'm just not I'm not in love with it. I don't think I ever will be. That's okay. I don't know. Um, well, I discovered something uh, this past week, which was that I bet you Salesforce makes a ton of money on canceled Dreamforce tickets. Because I made the mistake of speculative, speculatively getting several registrations, and I didn't actually I didn't know that there was a date by which you had to cancel uh, your registration in order to get the full refund. What? <laughs> yeah. And so, because I canceled a couple this past week and only got half my money back. Ouch. Yeah. Really? It's like, well, there's another revenue stream right there. Just a 100% junk fee. Just, that's a thousand bucks. I mean, if you get 50% back, that's, you know, the ticket's 2,000, right? Is that how much they were? I think. I mean, I know it's expensive, but. I don't know if we get a discount on them or not. I can't remember, but. You didn't qualify for one of the free passes? These extra ones we bought, I don't think we, I don't think were. Hmm. Because, I mean, you have to register. I mean, we didn't know how many people we were going to be able to bring to Dreamforce. Oh, because you bought... Okay, I see what you're Just saying. for my okay. company. Okay. I just thought you were really excited about going, and you just registered yourself like three or four times. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, because, and we, well, we had, some of, we had a bunch of people register at our company, n- not knowing which people were actually going to go, because you can transfer the registration. Okay. Um. And so we ended up with a couple extra, and we we're like, oh, let's just get a refund. And so we did the refund process, and then it turns out we only got half of our money back. So, Well, it's, it's to deter, deter squatters like yourself who just, let's, let's grab 10 of them, and we'll see who goes. And I mean, is it, I guess, is it, is, it, is it our fault that Dreamforce is a mess? And it's, it's, just it's supply hard. and demand. It, it's, no, it it's totally capitalism, is. It's capitalism, Jeremy. It's capitalism, supply and demand. Well, what they should do. If you believe that, is they should probably raise that price to three or four thousand dollars a ticket, and then it, and then you wouldn't have to pre-buy them, speculatively, right? I, I no, I don't see the logic in that. Yeah, it would still happen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, probably more so. Well, man, I don't think I've ever seen Benioff get this much press before. Yeah, I, I, so I'm, <laughs> I, I almost don't want to talk about Benioff anymore. No, well, I don't, I, I, I don't feel like he does anything for the platform anymore. All his, everything he says and does has been around, you know, some kind of political thing. You know, I, I kind of want to start following Keith Block a little bit more because he seems closer to the platform, closer to the business than Benioff is oh, these days. Oh, he definitely is. And I, I don't think any of them would. I feel like if we keep talking about Benioff, yeah. we're going to end up a political talk show. Right. And and I'm, I've actually seen a couple of different um, articles that really kind of just called him out on. He, he is testing the political waters. Is that, that's what they think. I actually not sure I buy that at all. I don't, I don't think so either. I mean, I really don't think he wants to run for. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. But I, if I had to guess, I would. I would bet on he does not want to run well, for I, office. We, we've made that. We've had that conversation before, and I've made that prediction that it seems like he's he's testing the waters for for some kind of political career. But I, honestly, I think he gets more attention and he gets more out of being the co CEO of Salesforce and and having that that power because I think that was one thing that that he does have that he would lose if he kind of just became strictly a board member is that he'd lose his power with Salesforce to, to kind of enact change, I guess. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing about what he's doing right now is he, you know, if you're a public official, you have to be accountable to your constituents. I mean, you have to have town halls and take their calls. You mean stakeholders? Yeah, exactly. 
And now he can kind of do these. I mean, he does these kind of drive-by media things all the time now. Yeah. Right? And you know what I mean? They're, they're drive-bys. They're like, he kind of drives by, drops his little bomb, and then leaves. And then, you know, there's, there's really no, there's no substantial follow-up or even in-depth conversation or analysis of the things, you know, whether he's saying, you know, capitalism's dead or, or we need to repeal the, uh, the decent, the communication decency. I can this up. I mean, he kind of drops these super high level giant things, which are, you know, massive in proportion. Mm -hmm. And then there's no serious intellectual discussion of them or explanation of his position whatsoever. And if he was a public official, you can't, I mean, I guess you can get away with that. You can get away with almost anything nowadays, but I mean, it's, it's harder traditionally. You yeah. know, he would have to actually put forth specific, you know, like, I don't know, like proposals and things. So I think he's liking this. I mean, you know, he had Monica Langley write this book for him, and now he gets to, he's doing these drive-by press interviews and gets to make the, drop these things that are just, you know, uh, completely uh, see-through, um, you know, headline well, they, headlines, right? I mean, they're yeah. I mean, they're 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 designed to make headlines. Right. They're designed, and and the people that are doing the interviews, they they want those views, they want those clicks, and they want that message. That's that's and I say because they're catering to their audience, and that's what their audience yeah. apparently wants to hear. And, and like I said, I mean, I feel like there's really not any substance to them. I mean, it, it, they don't sound. There's nothing. He's not put, putting enough real meat on the bones of these things for them to be taken seriously at all. No, it's but, no different than the AI conversations well, that we've had in the tech sector. It's no different than all the bolstering about security and 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 all everything else around social media it's just it's just way too high level and it's just meant to i don't know I, I don't want to virtue signaling doesn't sound right but uh, it's kind of this this kind of way to say hey i'm on the cool kid side <laughs> i don't i don't know what to say about that yeah and, and maybe i mean and i'm not trying to mean he doesn't have substantial ideas i, I just think that maybe he's just trying to start conversations or no, he just wants he wants to own that conversation. I don't, I I don't think so. I don't think, it, it, I mean, you think he's does, at, does what, it go back to the staying ahead of something or or you know there's one thing where he didn't stay ahead of but he resolved it and he resolved it in one of these articles as well is the whole um uh the government um customs using their software and how that was a big issue and still is kind of a big issue in the background but he's able to kind of push it aside with the whole we decided not to sell guns or use our sell our platform to people who are selling guns. Military, and we no, have military weapons, John. Is what military weapons, yeah. and we have we have this new ethical division, and it's a way to kind of sweep that under the rug that they still do business with the government, they still do business with the custom agency, which I don't fault them for. But the a lot of people do though. That's but a lot thing. of people yeah. do, and this allows him to kind of move that along. So I, I, I part of me wishes that he they would have gotten Twitter to see what he would have done with it. And if it would have been any any of a different story, because um, right now all we can do is is kind of side with Benioff on how these social media platforms are just insanely out of control. Yeah. Not only from a company perspective, but the way people use them. It's just, it, I mean, you, you just basically have these online mobs, these anonymous mobs that are just ganging up against people on online. Yeah, I really, I really hate this. I mean, I am, I am so close to just killing twitter i mean well, I, don't log, I, I don't log on to it. i i post to our good day sir i occasionally log on just because i get some notification but i don't actively use facebook even though i still have an account and i don't actively use my twitter account and i think that popping your hearing is our noise gate <laughs> I, I think it is i think i think this yeah. sucks so i this sound this episode is probably not going to sound very good but sorry uh, still experimenting yeah 
but I was I, I just heard it. <laughs> yeah, well, I had I that like rapid it. start and stop, and I was hearing the pop. Yeah, I'm hearing it too. Um, yeah, I mean, and I consider my, I mean, I think I'm really tolerant of ideas and opinions that are very different than mine. But this is, I mean, it's just and, and it's. I'm sure it's on both sides. I think I see a lot more from the ultra progressive side because I tend to follow these tech people, which tend to be mm. ultra progressive types. And so I see it more from that side. I'm sure there's tons of, because I don't really do a lot of political following. So like I don't go on Facebook and Twitter and these places and like follow all the political people I like. I, I don't yeah. really do that. So I don't, I'm, I'm sure there's all kinds of crazy stuff all over the place, but just, just, I don't care what the idea or position is. Just, it's the, um, it's just a complete dehumanization of people and the whole cancel culture. And we're just going to destroy your life and deep platform yeah. you. If we, it's just, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's, it's too far. It's too much. And, and the problem is I can't get away from it on Twitter now. Like I, I mean, there's really, there's very few safe people to follow on Twitter that I actually want to follow that I'm, that they're not going to be either spewing some of this kind of the stuff themselves or just retweeting a ton of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't like it either. And I, I, I try to stay away from it as much as possible. On occasion, I will kind of dive back into some of the the political stuff. And I don't like it because it does affect my the way I think about things. It does make me more of a cynical person. I start to see things in everything. Some simple, even a simple, innocent commercial, I'll start to see things in it because I'm so tuned in with the politics of the of, of what's going on. I, I'd rather just not have it. I'd rather enjoy things and, and without reading into them, you know, like I used to when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. those days are gone um so speaking of some benioff stuff um and this i guess he i guess really go to the facebook so he's really attacking facebook saying it should be broken up but uh i don't know if he's ever said how why it should be broken up per se but he's also very uh critical of this section 230 of the what is it the cda the communication decency act mm-hmm which he says, um, sh and basically, the, the, what is the what is the two thirty say? I wish I had it in front of me, but it's basically, um, it's the thing that says you can have a website where you know you allow you know like a Facebook or whatever, where people can come and post all their stuff they want, and Facebook is not really responsible for their content. It's just, it's like a, the the postal service is not responsible if you do something if you use they send it. Send something, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's you, not the the right. post office. It's the users problem and so the which what is his problem with that well i don't know because but, you can, because you can't hold facebook accountable okay well let me let me let's see so benioff's opposition to this um what and it allows technology platforms to moderate their services without being held liable for the content their users post there is puzzling he said um or they're saying they're hit his opposition to his publishing so this is benioff's quote facebook is a publisher we need to abolish section 230 that which indemnifies them yeah, that's interesting. And this, so this article is pointing, is pointing out that without that Section 230, Facebook might succumb to death by a lawsuit, but Salesforce might too. Um, on Wednesday, as Benioff was sending his tweet, Salesforce lawyers were criticizing the piece of legislation in their defense against uh, a lawsuit against Salesforce. And so they, uh, Salesforce objects to requests on the ground that is entitled to federal. So Salesforce is claiming um, they're using Section 230 in a, in, in a lawsuit where Salesforce is being sued. And they're saying, uh, where the Salesforce is entitled to immunity under Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act with with respect to this uh, the claims in this action. Hmm. Uh, in all seven cases that they're being sued for, Salesforce has claimed protection under Section 230, uh, according to, 
I guess the lead trial lawyer. Yeah. If a quote, if Salesforce had any legitimate concern about the abuse of the CDA, it should not have supported serial abusers of the CDA. For example, while stating attorneys general were actively and publicly trying to shut down this Backpage service, Salesforce entered into a lucrative contract with Backpage. I look forward to asking him about his recent comments in court one day. Perhaps he is ready now to apologize to my clients. <laughs> well, is, is, is Benioff's own words kind of the clue of the way he sees the difference? Because he called Facebook a publisher, whereas Salesforce as a platform isn't a publisher. Uh, I mean, public, what, is that, what is a publisher? I mean, it's not like they have issues. It, just, it, was, a, it was a key yeah. word that he said. He, right. he said that they are a publisher. And, and thus they should be held accountable because they are publishing this content. Do you think Whereas Salesforce is a but platform? Are they, are they publishing it? I mean, do you, do you consider Facebook a publisher? No, but I think that's okay. the distinction he's trying to make. I think that's how he's trying to separate Salesforce from the Salesforce platform from the Facebook platform in that the way they tran transfer content or at least release content or put content out. Yeah. I don't, I don't get the. I mean, I think there is a big distinction because I don't consider these companies, they're not. Because a publisher, think when you think of what a publisher is, newspapers, magazines, like they're publishing their own content. Mm -hmm. Whereas a site like Facebook is, to me, a platform, just like Salesforce is a platform where all the users, not the platform itself, the users are putting their content to it. I mean, Salesforce doesn't load my org up with a bunch of accounts and opportunities. At least I, I do. All right. Well, it does. Well, with the fake ones or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess if you buy there, what was the DNB service they bought? No, data.com is that they'll fill your order with leads yeah, and like some, some nice leads. You can do some uh, lead gen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another aspect of this, though, which is what the thing I've talked about. Um, uh, this article says that Benioff's attack on Facebook is also inconsistent with Salesforce's advice to its clients uh, regarding the site. In September blog post, Salesforce encourages customers to spend money with Facebook, naming three separate Facebook products as well as Twitter in a single paragraph. Quote, today a customer can discover a product on Facebook and buy it. Again, later on Instagram, it said, quote, they can enter upsell journeys on Twitter and engage in customer support chats on Messenger. Upsell journeys. Nice. It is um, all about the upsell. Yeah, and then there's the whole... Uh, whereas That's why I failed as a salesman. I, I couldn't upsell. Yeah. <laughs> I really couldn't. Uh, whereas many have called Facebook the new cigarette, Salesforce works with an actual cigarette maker uh, and invited the company tobacco company Philip Morris International to present at Dreamforce. Uh, the organization PMI is incredible, said some Salesforce vice president at a recent Dreamforce event. The focus, quote, the focus on the customer and the customer journey and the customer experience is absolutely relentless. And that's what that's and that's actually what's so exciting about working with Philip Morris. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's the weird thing. I mean, um, I don't understand all the intricacies of, of how marketing cloud and like, uh, what are they like social studio and all these things tie into Facebook. But I'm well, you have the e-commerce platform, which I really know which, nothing about. I, yeah, and that's that's a new one. But yeah. even before that, I mean, I, I think Salesforce has. Uh, I've never worked with them, but again, like, um, what, what did Radiant, Radiant Six and Buddy, whatever they became, um, I think those things tie right into Facebook's Messenger platform, the ad platform, all these things. Oh, I'm um, sure it does. And yeah. and I, I under, my understanding is Salesforce, you know, makes a lot of money on these things. Um, and it's just it's, which which and again that, that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that. Um, you know, we're, we can't hold the two ideas in our head that Salesforce works with these big platforms, but also is very critical of maybe how they're running those platforms. I guess, I guess that's okay. Yeah, but I think to some extent we have to divorce Benioff from Salesforce when he's making some of these interviews and some of these conversations. I mean, he's coming at it from his his personal 
experience, I think, or his personal opinion. Um, however, it's it's a blurred line between him and Salesforce. I'm not I'm not sure that the distinction is clean enough, but I think to a certain extent. That's uh, to a certain extent we have to draw the line, don't we? Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like, is that hip, is that hypocritical or not? And I don't think it is. Okay. I, I mean, uh, Salesforce is a company who <laughs> is a public company and has to answer to a board and to shareholders, not stakeholders, but to shareholders <laughs> as a company. And then you have the kind of the the other side of it, the more personal side that Benioff tries to represent, which is more politically active and social 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 act socially active. Words are not coming out. Um, and I think those are two different things, and they can be two different things um, without without some kind of hypocrisy. I don't, I don't think there's any need to really drive the nail of hypocrisy there. I, I see it, and I want sometimes you you feel it, but when you kind of break it down to its logical elements, you, it it's okay, it's fine. It's not there's no damage being done there. What makes this I think hard to hard to look at is that over the past couple of years, I mean Benioff's attacks on Facebook have been kind of all across the board from. Um, uh, data privacy to uh, he he has accused them of, of promoting and creating fake news. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, the other one of the other things is like the cigarettes thing is all about it just being too addictive. Well, I mean that's that's a weird that that's one of the I think that's one of the arguments that actually is the weirdest or the one that doesn't uh, really is not consistent because. Uh, Benioff is involved in a business that makes Salesforce, that ties into the addictiveness of Salesforce, that f- uses it and feedback loops it to make it more addictive, to keep people engaged, to show them relevant ads, you know, all these things. It, and it's, well, and it's, it's, and it's, in, it's in Salesforce's direct interest for Salesforce to be, an, you know, whether you want to call it addictive or very engaging, you know, something that, that a lot of people spend a lot of time in. And so for him to say, <laughs> we're fine on making money on that all that addictiveness but we want to somehow distance ourselves and say oh that oh don't do that that's bad who would do that and when reality like they're doing it i mean that's 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 the aspect of it that i don't quite understand well they're and not he's saying they're break not them up. he's also saying break them up well into what would you put like um maybe facebook videos and photos in one and the newsfeed in another and groups in another product i mean i, I don't what what is he what is what's the I, I don't, know what, I don't know what breakup means either, but I think in terms of Salesforce partic- participating in those ecosystems, I don't, it, I, it, yeah, those, those ecosystems exist and there is some kind of addictiveness to, uh, to them. Um, but they're just there where the eyeballs are. They're going, they're, they're providing tools for where people are to be able to, to allow companies to kind of be in front of those eyeballs. Right. They're not actively creating tools, unless I'm wrong, that, that, encourage the addictiveness they're just who's saying not? who's not salesforce they're just saying hey this is a platform that's got a lot of eyeballs we, we can integrate with it and we can put your content in front of those eyeballs yeah but but it all ties into salesforce uh, to to facebook's algorithms that put the right content in front of the right people at the right time and salesforce helps their customers do that get that content in front of people at the right time using those tools sure yeah, but yeah. i think I, I don't know i don't necessarily think that that's the issue with facebook though i think some of the issues are some of the algorithms, some of the bias, a lot of the the fake news stuff. I think a lot of that is the bigger issue with Facebook rather than the other stuff. Yeah. And as much as I feel like I don't follow or get a coherence from his Facebook arguments, I sure as hell uh, don't get his his capitalism. Capitalism is dead arguments. That one I don't get at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't. I've, I've read a couple of the, the different interviews. I still haven't read his book. Maybe it's in there, but... 
I've, I've seen some of the interviews and read them and yeah, I just, it just, you know, and people, I mean, there's really, I even, I even, um, and I have, I didn't watch it, but I even see that they interviewed him on Fox business. I thought, well, maybe Fox would actually ask him some good, uh, follow-up questions or something. So I don't know if anyone watched that, but, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Again, it's, it's, it's one of these things. I mean, this is, this is a, a, a billionaire CEO that, that, you know, had someone write a book for him and he's now he's going to, he's going to make the rounds. His PR people are getting him on all the shows and on and in front of the, all the magazines. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, you, everyone kind of benefits. He gets to, he gets to get his, his high points in the news and they, you know, it's content for them to write about, but there's just like, there's, you know, there's just not much, there's not much serious conversation about this. It's not, it's not like, um, <laughs> you know, this is like Adams or Locke or even Hayek or t- type material. This is, yeah. um, <laughs> this is, I don't know. And well, that, that's the like, way most are, things are. Are we supposed are. to take this seriously? No, I don't that's know. That's just the way most things are these days. <laughs> Everything's this high level grab grab attention headlines, but there's no real meat behind it. You, I, I read so many articles and I read the headline going, "All right, let's see what let's see what's going on here." It ends up being nothing. It's like a few sentences, and then they talk about something else the rest of the article. I'm like, yeah. This was such a bait and switch. Yeah. So anyway, like to, us, I, you know, you I, think you're getting a Salesforce developer podcast and we talk politics exactly. and beer and food and, you know, it's just the way of the world, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but I think, I think the cycle is probably coming close to wrapping up, I would think. Uh, what cycle? Just the, the news cycle? Yeah, this, this kind of little book tour he's on, he's trying to sell this book. And is, is it a bit refreshing to not be hearing, well, would you rather hear capitalism is dead or fourth industrial revolution or are we on the fifth industrial revolution? You know, that's funny. The fifth I... has to come and then we can solve the fourth or something like that. It was like weird. They created this paradox where like they were on the fourth and they jumped <laughs> to the next one, but the next one was supposed to solve for the f- previous one or the or the f- next one was coming before the previous one or something. It was weird. I, I couldn't follow it. Um, yeah, I'm not I, smart enough to follow it, apparently. You just make a really good point. I, see, I forget these things. But the fourth industrial revolution, I mean, I feel like that got dropped like uh, Social Enterprise did. No, it, that's what I thought. And then, then the fifth one came out. And I don't, again, I'm just counting numbers here. <laughs> but then they, it, and then they tried to tie in the fourth as part of the fifth. Like, well, the fourth was about AI, artificial intelligence taking over the world. And I think the fifth was about social responsibility Wait, or there's something. a fifth revolution? Yeah, the, the, like the fifth one was about social or social ethical something responsibility or something. And I think they both tie in together or climate or I don't know, green credits. I don't, I don't know. Something weird. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely behind on this. It's John, it's too highbrow for me. I'm just a, yeah. I'm just a regular old guy, you know, you I'm just wine out of a box. I'm just a guy. I'm just a coder. <laughs> hey, I like being a coder. Uh, let's see. What else do I have? Um, uh, this is this is funny. So, more and more, um, when people apply for jobs at my company, they're putting. And I don't know if is this a thing. Some I feel like there's a conspiracy here, but they're putting like when they. I guess I don't even know how you apply for a job at a company. I assume it's on the website or something. Maybe it's LinkedIn. I don't even know. But when they, I guess you you know you can probably like I guess submit your LinkedIn or your resume. But you can also I think I guess there must be a description box where you get to write stuff. But people are putting little good day sir quips. They're like only things that if you listen to the show, would you even understand in what? their applications? <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And so people keep coming. Are, are they trolling you? I, I, don't, I don't think it's trolling. It's almost like a secret handshake. That's what it is. Is that what it is? Yeah, because on, our, on one of our internal Slack channels, you know, they keep asking me, hey, what is, does this mean something to you? I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, we talked about that last week in the podcast. <laughs> that's, and it's something that 
you would only hear here. So it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> just a little Easter eggs in there, huh? Yeah, I guess. Well, you got to highlight them and just kind of keep them anonymous, but you got to highlight some of them and bring them, bring them to the show. I'm okay. kind of curious. Uh, I need to, okay. I'll, I, I'll that's I'll, homework. I'll I know we don't have a lot list. of time for homework right. these days, but. Um, uh, so this always just seems like it gets recycled, but there was a thing in the, a new thing, brand new thing in the Harvard Business Review that yet again, I guess with science this time. <laughs> with science this time. Okay. Um, has proven that open office space plans or whatever they're called um, are, are not good. They don't work. So the WeWork model isn't good? Well, I mean, I guess you, you can get, uh, you can get uh, <laughs> private offices that we work right not too private well, that, that's probably a good thing science Bitch, look it up it's science <laughs> you know that's wrong uh no um breaking bad okay no nope never watched it yep you so you i've heard you make the clip before so i was trying to remember if i heard it here or if i heard it somewhere else you probably won't watch the movie then i guess right no yeah i don't get into those things I don't spend a lot of time watching those kind of shows. Anyway, if uh, I'm if, better than you, if you like when, if you say. like when people use scientific sounding stuff to be, to reinforce reinforce things you already want to believe, then uh, yeah, check out this article in the Harvard Business Review. What is it? I mean, it just just basically says open concept is bad for what reason? Um, Productivity, wellness, uh, office know. romance. Yeah, what? I, I, I saw. I just <laughs> I just saw it before we started recording, and so. I haven't read it. And apparently there's a, there's a, um, you can listen to the article. What is that? Is that, is this an automatic? Oh, let me see if I can play this. Hang on. Let's hear what this sounds like. You are listening to the Harvard Business Review, where in the November, December, 2019 issue, Ethan Bernstein, a professor at Harvard Business School well, this and Ben Weber, the president at human. I thought this might've been an AI generated thing, but it's not, is it? That, was that, a, that could human? be an AI voice. It know. was pretty good. It's if getting, it was, series say. getting better. Places for interaction since publishing academic yeah. articles on the offices we've studied, we have been asked for more. Man, if that guy's not a robot, then he sure has perfected a good robot voice. It sounds like one of those things you have to watch in school. They they put in the VHS and you have to watch those videos. It's that very monotone kind of <laughs> professional. Like it's not monotone, but there's this cadence to it. Yeah, it's just. This, you just instantly want to fall asleep. Or he'd be a great IVR voice. NPR? IVR. Oh, NPR too. Okay. <laughs> no, like, you know, to do the press one for, or whatever, all those things. Not good for giving directions. You might fall asleep on the road. That's true. Uh, yeah, I really don't have much else, John. We can make this a short one. Um, uh, well, we uh, we got breaking news on the WeWork stuff. The SoftBank's takeover, and then they finally had the uh, all-hands meeting, and we're getting some information on what was discussed in that yeah and his insane golden parachute that i think the uh investors are you know, supposedly really pissed off about no, i mean that no well it's not it's not a golden it is a golden parachute but it's it's 1.9 billion dollars I, I know and he's getting like there's only a part of that and then that like I, and then like 250 million dollars in his consulting fees for upcoming just so he'll he's what do they need him for they don't need any consulting from him he destroyed their company well, he's like he he's probably completely knows all, out of his mind uh, yeah well, so I think the brunt of it is buying him out of uh, decision-making ownership so they can at least make decisions without him. And I think as a courtesy, they're throwing him a bone 
to say, hey, we'll pay this much to hang out and consult and tell us what all the passwords are. Consult. And tell us what all the passwords <laughs> are when we need them um, right. so that we can get in and do the things we need to do. Uh, and also, you know, find where all the money is. I don't uh, how, what, what the, bank the, accounts, what, what money, what leases, what? <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> well, and he had already been removed as CEO, but I think this this removes him from by, controlling the board. Yes, he's off the controlling board, decision. Think. Yeah, but yeah, I think they said he was going to be an observer, yeah. observing board member. No, I'm an observer, <laughs> <laughs> but you're not a stakeholder. And they also didn't pay me. I'm a stakeholder because <laughs> I have an office there. That's you are. That's true. You so. are a stakeholder. I was, I was thinking I was going to be out of an office here in a bit. Yeah. Well, you mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, isn't this one of those things where, like, worst case, um, if they really did basically fall apart, that some other company would come in and buy up all those leases, pennies on the dollar, and keep operating them? Because they would, they'd get in at such a lower cost. Because, I mean, they, I'm sure they could negotiate with all those landlords. Hey, um, you were paying 30 bucks a square foot. We'll give you 22 a square foot, and we'll keep going. Yeah, maybe. I and mean, so, what, what so choice you, do they have? Well, so you immediately op you're operating the business from a l much lower cost basis, right out of yeah. the, you know, and they could probably like all the a all of WeWork's actual assets, they can buy those at a discount too, you know, just kind of start over. Yeah, I, I figure that's one of those things. Like, I mean, because that's you know, that's, that back to like you know, should you use a SaaS vendor? I mean, like, gosh, will you Salesforce? I mean, what if they what if they just go? What if they run out of money or go out of business? I mean. It's not like you can keep, you're not like you've been running the, the, the software on your machine, on your own server. Like you depended on them to run it all, you know, 24 hours a day. And if they're gone, they're, you don't have that. And I, I don't know, my defense to that has always been, well, I mean, if Salesforce were to just have to completely fold, I mean, someone would come in and then take advantage of that. This is, this is part of the, you know, the, the beauty of um, survival of the fittest and capitalism and stuff is that someone will come in and buy that mm -hmm. at a discount. Of course, the, the investors will get wiped out. I mean, but someone will come in and buy buy the assets at a discount and keep operating the service. Yeah, I mean, it may not be the same. Maybe like you know, zombie Salesforce. <laughs> yeah, or it might get picked apart and exploited for other reasons. But yeah, it's. It, it's oh, what if you split up the clouds? Would that be interesting? D divest the clouds. It it'd be easy. <laughs> since they never fully integrated yeah, the since, clouds. Since one of them runs on .NET, one of them runs on Java. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I mean they're. I think they're integrated enough that there would have to be some serious. Um, th that would cause problems if they got if they split up. Well, enough dependencies have been made, but it's not impossible. No. If, if, I mean, if SAP, no, John, nothing's and, nothing's impossible with enough money and time. If SAP and Amazon and who else? Who else got off of Oracle? Oh, I think there's no, no, no. SAP still has tons and tons of Oracle. I mean, they have Tana, but there's. They still run in tons of SAP. Um, well, no, that, that, you mean uh, customers do? Yeah, there's just there will forever be tons of massive SAP. Or there will be, but I think what I what I heard from SAP is that um, new releases will require the newest database. You basically stop getting supported if you're still running mm, an yeah. older version that's sitting on top of SQL. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry, um, Oracle. I'm, I'm not an SAP expert, so I, I can't say for sure. But I would I would bet you there's. Still going to be tons of Oracle. No, it was a pitch given to me as a reason for why I should switch over to the SAP professional services team. Is that there's a lot of work coming because oh, there's a deadline a looming. Sales pitches are always full of crap. There's a deadline looming yeah. for everyone to be on on the new. Did I talk about Hana? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. Hana's. I mean, I've never used it, but I mean, I've read some some of the papers and some just coverage of it. It's supposed to be a pretty nice piece of technology. 
it's got to be hard to develop a enterprise level database these days with all the patents and everything else that everyone else has. I mean, you're you got to be licensing a bunch of stuff. Uh, they m may very well be. Yeah. Yeah. So if not, you have to do clean room implementations. That means that, I mean, especially, I mean, all these other database developers who maybe just quit Oracle, or whatever, to come work for SAP. I mean, aren't they under a non-compete? I mean, usually, mm -hmm. you, gotta, you know, usually you can't do that. Right. And so now, so that means you've got to develop this database with people who have never built a database before. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't know. That's, that's for the lawyers to figure that crap out. Yeah. Anyways, I thought it was interesting that, um, I mean, they're at least going to, going to keep it going they're going to keep it running they're going to infuse a bunch of money into it you know the whole getting rid of uh what's his name <laughs> newman um is just something that has to has to be done and it is what it is but yeah I, I didn't realize how much of the employees took options or at least were most of their compensation was based on that i guess there was this whole startup culture like hey come work for us your salary is this but you know, you're going to get all these stock options and when we, when we're, we're valued at $47 billion and when we, when we hit our IPO, you're going to make a, a good oh, yeah. chunk of change and now that's all gone. Right, right, sure. I mean, I mean, instead of having to, you know, pay people top dollar for what, you know, they would make, you can say, hey, I mean, we're not, you know, how about uh, this reduced salary and we'll give you all these stock options and if, you know, if we hit, if we IPO like we think we will, that's going to be worth a million dollars or whatever, you know. Yeah. Sure. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, that's, that's that kind of whole, you know, Silicon Valley model that a lot of people were, would, they were chasing employers that were pre-IPO. I mean, people, a lot of people weren't even interested. If you've already, if you're already public, they don't even want to work for you because they want that investment opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously putting all your eggs in one basket, but I mean, if you hit, you hit big. What's well, a risk. I just wonder how many people kind of jumped in with stars in their eyes and now the reality hit them. Sure. Of the risk they, t that mm -hmm. they took. Yeah. And how real that risk is. Yeah. You know, hindsight. Hindsight? High insight. Hindsight. <laughs> um, All right, John. Well, let's make this a short one, an actual short one, since the whole sound things bother me. By the way, about halfway through, we did stop and do some adjustments. It sounds better, don't you think? I'm not hearing that weird poppy clicky stuff that was going on. No, I'm not hearing the poppy thing, but yeah, the, the noise gate is kind of doing some weird things, I think. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it's I, all in your head, John. No, it's not. It's, it's all in here. Well, you're, I did, no, I did you're figure having it out. that microphone. No, I figured it headphones. out. What is it? I, I lift my headphones, yeah. and so it's letting air in. And so oh there's, my God, you're such a dork. So there's no bass. <laughs> <laughs> but when I put them right on right, I get the bass oh my back. God. <laughs> and you have, you're having me over here jiggling all the yeah. chords and everything. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. God. I wasn't going to admit it, but then you mentioned it, and I, I felt obligated to. All right. Well, uh, you know, what we didn't talk about last time. We didn't remind people, especially for the the new listeners who are listening right now, that we have a Slack. We have a Slack where uh, this community uh, congregates, and it's at uh, gooddaysirpodcast.com. And just click on community and put an email address, and John can add you if you're interested in joining, which you should at least check it out, see if it's something that's for you. And what else? Um, you can send us. Did we get did we get any um, any topics or anything recently? We Over did, email, but you kind of talked about it. Okay. It was about um, the uh, Benioff Facebook stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you can shoot us an email at info at gooddaysirpodcast.com and you can you know, send us questions or uh, topic suggestions or whatever. And we will not use your name um, unless you explicitly say we can. Um, what else? Share us on the socials. Tell your friends. That's how we grow this whole little community here. That's uh, John and I's retirement plan. Yeah. It's looking pretty sad so far. So we need you guys to step up your efforts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be nice to be in the black. 
Yep. At some point. Uh, that's, uh, we have, there's a lot of red to be covered up before that's going to happen. Yeah. We need to hire Benny on. We're, we're kind of, we're so, kind of where we work is. <laughs> yeah. We need to, we need to hire, Hey, I hear Newman's available. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, any final thoughts from Mr. De Santiago? No, no, no. I'm, I'm just amazed we're going to have a short show. I, I know. I, I'm, I'm excited. I think I'm actually going to go <laughs> meet some people for a beer. I actually have time to do that today. Oh, well, let's, 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 let's set you free so you can do that. <laughs> All right. And to that, I say, good day, sir. Oh, John, I wasn't ready. Oh. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. That was specifically I, I, at you. I have you. to leave it in, don't I? Just that like was that. at you. I know. You lose. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>